May God add his blessing to the reading of the scripture this morning. And may the words from my mouth be just what we need to hear today. Now just this morning, while us Americans were sleeping, Christians in the Republic of Congo left their homes and went to their places of worship to see their pastors take bread and say, this is my body. In the Church of the Holy Resurrection in Jerusalem, while we were asleep, people heard these words, this is my body. In St. Paul's in London, a hush fell across the congregation as the pastor said, this is my body. In churches and cathedrals across the United States today, pastors have or will take bread into their hands and they will declare these same words, this is my body. In thatched roof mission stations across the islands of the Pacific, this afternoon will be said these same words, this is my body. This is World Communion Sunday. Throughout the world, churches of various denominations in all nations and many different languages are celebrating the Lord's Supper together. And it couldn't have come at a better time. We need this time together to remember that our Lord suffered for us. And we need this time together, not just for you and me, but for our neighbors next door, for our neighbors across the street, our neighbors around the world. We read the words in John 3.16, God so loved the world. Those amazing words in the Gospel of John. It's as true in this day, this day of division, this day of war, this day of seems everyone being non-tolerant of everyone else, this time of unrest. We need to hear and remember those words. God so loved the world. The Lord's Supper teaches us that unity is necessary. The Apostle Paul tried to get this point across to the Corinthian church people. They were a divided church, and they were following, some were following Many of them were following various teachers. Little groups were developing. And Paul let them know in no uncertain terms that their divisions were not okay. He explained that to participate in the meal and to leave others out or to allow division amongst themselves was equal to eating and drinking judgment upon themselves. Communion, in some respects, is serious business, as I told the kids. A story is told of a head usher at a particular church who went to his pastor with a problem. Now this was a church where they had a communion rail where folks would step up to the rail and wait for the pastor to bring communion. And he said he tried and he tried, but he just couldn't get people to stand close enough together, and this was before COVID, of course, couldn't get them to stand close enough together at the communion rail. And so he was frustrated. He told the pastor he would send the right amount of people up, but they never seemed to fit just right. Some people would leave a lot of space between them and the next person. 
And that would make, cause the people at the other end to be crowded close together. And then he threw up his hands and he said, Can't people get close together, even in communion? Well, that was a good question. Maybe his frustration points out very well the larger difficulties that we face together on this Worldwide Communion Sunday. The problem was the few inches that separate people at the communion rail, but in the bigger picture, the church, that's church with a capital C, the church worldwide, it's much more than space that separates us. We, in the community-wide, nationwide, and worldwide church, are kept apart by theology because we believe things that are different than the church down the street, and so it keeps us apart. We're kept apart by politics because we have different political beliefs and commitments. We're kept apart by different ways of doing ministry. But maybe the differences that we have between the churches can nowhere be more clearly seen than in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Some churches, like Zion UCC, practice open communion. That is, we allow anyone to come to the Lord's table. We invite everyone to join us regardless of where they are in life. Other denominations practice what some people call closed communion. But the denominations that practice this don't like to call it closed communion. But they don't allow anybody to take communion unless you're a member of that denomination. In some churches, communion is served every time there's a service. In others, maybe a couple of times a year. Here, traditionally, we serve communion on the first Sunday of the month and then during various other special occasions. And it might come as a surprise to you, but there are some churches who don't serve communion at all. So here we are on a day that's called World Communion Sunday. There are some people who would argue that this day doesn't bring us together. It just really points out how far apart we are. In most any city, and right here in our community, I'm sure, well over half of the churches will not even recognize Worldwide Communion Sunday. So instead of encouraging unity, some people would say it does the opposite. It proves that the church is not the unified body of Christ, but the broken body of Christ. So why bother to have such a day? Why bother with Worldwide Communion Sunday? My answer to that is this. It sends a message to the Christian community everywhere that if there is anything in this world that should bring us together, it should be the Lord's Supper. That's what Paul wanted to get the Corinthian church to understand. If ever there was a church divided, it was this Corinthian church. They were in a mess. The passage that Terry read this morning on the Lord's Supper comes from the 11th chapter, buried deep in the book. And in that chapter, Paul calls out 
the church because they are excluding the poor from their meal. The rich bring their food, and they gather it in their little cliques, and the poor have nothing, and they're left out. They're excluded from the feast. And Paul was understandably livid with them. Any of you who eat and drink without recognizing the whole body of Christ, he said, eat and drink judgment upon themselves. But we don't have to read all the way to the 11th chapter to know that division was destroying this church. All we have to do is read the first chapter, because in the first chapter, no more than than Paul says hello, he begins to call them out. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? In other words, you people that are following me, was I crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? How about Apollos? Is Apollos your good shepherd? Those of you who are following him? Did Cephas call you in Galilee to throw down your nets and follow him? Those of you who are following Cephas? These are questions that he asked the Corinthian church because they were forming these little cliques according to who baptized them or who taught them or who led them to Jesus. And Paul, quite frankly, had a mess on his hands. But let's ask, how about us? What divides our church today with a capital C, the big church? Think back, folks. Think back to 9-11. Those of you who are old enough and most of the people in this room and probably those watching remember 9-11. Remember how after that terrible tragedy our country pulled together We were unified. We had a bond. We had a purpose. We were proud to be Americans. We put all our differences aside for a while. That horrible tragedy of those terrorist attacks reminded us clearly that we had common beliefs and that we shared the values of freedom. And we came together because we knew we had to. It was the only option. But now, it seems, as the years have gone by, we've forgotten. And instead, we have a great deal of division. I don't know if it's more than ever, but it feels like more than ever. Our nation is divided on politics. Our nation is divided on race issues. We're divided on so many other fronts. And we don't even listen to each other anymore. Someone comes up with an idea and the opposition says, no, that's a bad idea. Before they finish the sentence. We're intolerant of one another. We're divided once again. We've lost that unity. The ability to calmly discuss and hear each other out. To try to understand why others have their opinions and to listen to their reasons and why they value the things that they do value. And that wonderful ability to say at the end of the conversation, well, we don't agree. Let's just agree to disagree and go on from there. The unity is gone. Polarity in our nation has taken its place. I'm sad to say that this is true of the church, too. Capital C. We only need to look at the signs. 
as we drive around town. The United Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, the Disciples Church, the Presbyterian Church, the Catholic Church, the Episcopal Church, the United Church of Christ, the Assemblies, the Church of Christ, and the signs go on and on telling the story plainly that we are not a united church as we should be and as God intended us to be and as Jesus intended us to be. I truly believe that if right now Jesus came back to this earth and came to the Illinois Valley, I believe that he would sit down at the table and say, all of you, here's bread, here's drink. I don't care. I don't care if you're a Baptist, you're a Catholic, you're UCC. I don't care what you're doing, who you are. Come, let's gather around the table. Let's eat together. You're all my followers. Take drink. There'd be no test what church you belong to or what you believed about theologies that don't matter. It would just be done. That's how I see my Jesus. Of course, we're not going to be naive about it. It's an ideal. It's not reality yet. But communion is not just an ideal. Communion is a reality. The year was 1968. It was an election year. The country was divided, very split right down the middle on the issue of Vietnam. And there were severe domestic problems with race. And there had been major rioting in several large cities. The Democratic candidate was Hubert Humphrey. The Republican candidate was Richard Nixon. Now, I don't care what you thought about either one of them politically. That doesn't play into this story. While Nixon was campaigning in upstate New York, he saw a little girl holding up a sign. Three words. Bring us together. Nixon saw that. He picked up on that, and he used it as his campaign theme. Bring us together. Maybe on this day, when we take the bread and the wine shortly, maybe I should have put signs up. Maybe I should have put them here in the sanctuary. Maybe Rhonda should have had a slide. And they should be in front on the front lawn of every Christian church in town, which says this, bring us together. Bring us together. There are differences, not only between denominations, but there are differences within denominations. Witness what our United Methodist Church is going through right now. It's terrible to see. Fighting, and there's going to be a split. They've already decided that just a matter of time. It's sad to see. But what the bread and the wine represents takes us past those differences. That's what we're saying today on World Communion Sunday. A body, a body was broken for you, for me. Blood was shed for you.
That's what ought to bring us together, if anything will. Let Jesus' blood serve as the glue to bring not only churches together, but to bring people together, to bring this nation together, to bring this world together. We all know it's a mess. Let his body serve as the cement that holds us together as, a, as human beings. It's something so simple, yet we've made it so complex, haven't we? Let's come together this morning as a united people, united in purpose, united in mission, united in brother and sisterhood, in hopes and dreams and aspirations, and perhaps most important of all, united in our faith to our Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, capital C. If we, as the ones who profess the name of Christ, can't come together, how in the world can we expect the rest of the world to come together? My prayer is that today, on Worldwide Communion Sunday, the Worldwide Church will begin to come together in answer to Jesus' prayer for his church, for his people, because the people are the church, not the building, that they may all be one. Bring us together, Lord. Amen.